Welcome to the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your employees all the information they need to be successful at their jobs. Now, let's get started with the show. Chad Franson here, co-host of the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your staff everything they need to be successful at their jobs. Past guests include David Allen of Getting Things Done and Michael Gerber of The E-Myth, and many more. This episode is brought to you by Sweet Process. Have you had team members ask you the same questions over and over again, and, and it's the 10th time you've spent explaining it? There's a better way and a better solution. Sweet Process is a software that makes it drop dead easy to train and onboard new staff and save time with existing staff. Not only do universities, banks, hospitals, and software companies use them, but first responder government agencies use them in life or death situations to run their operations. Use Sweet Process to document all the repetitive tasks that eat up your precious time so you can focus on growing your team and empowering them to do their best work. Sign up for a 14-day free trial, no credit card required. Go to sweetprocess.com. That's sweet like candy, S-W-E-E-T process.com. David Brownlee's first leadership experience started as a Boy Scout troop leader during high school in Oklahoma. He's been drawn to helping people reach beyond what they thought their potential was ever since. He counts his greatest work achievements to be the personal growth of those he works with. He was recently chief operating officer and principal at BRPH Architecture and Engineering and is now a consultant in the architecture and engineering industry. David, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm, I'm well, Chad. Thank you for having me on here and it's great to meet you. So tell me what you're up to these days. Since I've uh started consulting and um, I've added on to where, where I uh, initially or where I left off from my previous firm. I've spent a lot of time trying to help people build a culture of innovation in their companies and help them uh, help their staff achieve their uh, maximum potential. What do you mean by a culture of innovation? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, if, if, you, if you look back at design school, you're taught that Innovation is the spark of genius. Um, you're taught that something like a, a Mozart symphony almost is something that almost no one can do and it occurs overnight. But the, the reality is innovation is, is something that anybody can, can assist with and achieve and is not the rarefied air of genius people. How does one go about bringing out innovation in people, especially, you know, if somebody has a specific skill set, maybe they consider it to be an expert in, in some sort of field. And then you say, you know, I want you to do this instead <laughs> or think beyond what you already thought you could do. How do you how do you bring about how do you bring that out of people? Well, that's that's an interesting question as well. Um, the method I used recently, I, uh, I was handed a video program that was being shot in the company and we had to interview people and ask them about their life. And at, when I inherited it, I said, let's, let's revise this. Let's get people talking about innovation. And people were very reluctant initially. They felt like I, I'm not qualified. I don't, I don't have innovations to offer. So we had to prompt them and teach them more about what innovation was and how it could be achieved. Um, and over time, that uh, video program really blossomed um, and produced some tremendous innovations for the company. 
Okay. In uh, at your latest at your last uh in your last responsibilities at BRPH, the uh part of the website on the website it says think of something so unique, so extraordinary, something never tried anywhere before in the world. This is where BRPH thrives. Is that kind of a culture of innovation that you're kind of talking about? It is. It is. The um you know that that firm sprung out of NASA in the 60s. And you can imagine the race to space. There was then a decline. And now um, with all the um, commercial satellite launches, that has really been revised. And that culture of innovation, um, companies are seeking out BRPH for uh, intellectual property, help with developing and um, maintaining. And you were the COO, COO there at BRPH. Um, we talked before we started recording about kind of the uh, the um, bifurcate, bifurcated um, uh, way of thinking about the COO in terms of uh, analytics and people. Can you talk a, bit, a little bit more about that? Yeah, that's, um, you know, I really break it into two pieces. Um, there's the analytical side, um, producing um, information that people can consume. Um, putting that information in as simple a way as possible to explain the message. Um, and there's a lot of nuance to that. Um, you, can, you can read your audience and see if the information is too much, if it's not being processed properly. And you can spend a tremendous amount of time getting that information correct. And I'd say that's half the job. The other half of the job is, you know, at that firm, there's 320 people. And People can get um, pigeonholed. People can get uh, told to stay in their lane, those type things. And I think that that really stifles innovation. So you get to, fine, I'll do what I did yesterday. I'll continue to do what I did yesterday. Um, so to me, that other half of bringing that out of people and breaking them out of themselves, breaking down the culture of stay in your lane um, is, is the other piece and is really the I guess the science, the uh, the art, the first part's the science, this, this part's the art of the COO role. Do you have a method in terms of breaking down that culture of stay in your lane? I do. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, bit of, it's a bit disruptive, um, but you have to put the information in people's hands, but you have to promote them and you have to protect them from uh, the forces that could say, stay in your lane. Um, and, it, and you show them, you show them success. Um, you promote people when they, when they have success and you promote them even if their innovation was a failure. So you make it a safe place to innovate. Not all innovations work. Some do, some don't. And it takes a while to break that. It takes a long time, really, honestly, to change a culture. What do you think, um, how, how does a culture of stay in your lane get established? It's just kind of playing it safe, making sure that nothing goes wrong. Is that how that happens? Well, yes, there's a, there is an engineering aspect to don't fail. You know, you're, you're trained in engineering. Don't fail. Um, you're trained in the architectural side to be creative. Those two have to come together, but the culture of stay in your lane, I think oftentimes can be um, people's way of controlling people. Um, they, maybe it is the status quo. This has always worked. Stay there, do that. I'll tell you what to do. And uh, you have to really fight that in any, in any firm you've ever been in, um, that, culture can, that culture can start uh, taking over. 
if you are encouraged, if let's say you don't have maybe the expertise of somebody you're working with and you're encouraging them to go beyond what they're used to doing, <laughs> how difficult is that for you to do? You know, I've seen like movies like, you know, like Steve Jobs, who wasn't an expert in all these things, telling these people who had been doing, you know, design to say, to, you know, don't be scared. You can do this. I know you can do this. <laughs> like, what do you do? So that, that in reality, every single person that I'm trying to direct has far more knowledge in um, their subject than I have. I'll never have that kind of knowledge. Um, but you, as the COO, become the conductor. Um, you couldn't play all the instruments, but you can get the, instru- the people to play the instruments well and play them together. And playing them together is the, is the next piece of that is um, you have to build a culture that supports this innovation and doesn't, and doesn't uh, get, become jealous, I guess, when someone else has a good innovation. So what kind of coaching do you do to bring out the highest potential? I'm a one-on-one person. I, um, I would meet, so let's take the project managers, for instance. Um, I meet every month with every project manager and I open up every project. Now, some are winners. Some are losers. Some lose a lot of money. Some make money. Some have issues with the client. Those type of things. Um, I build a I build a uh, a trust relationship. I'm not there to um, I'm not there to tell you uh, you've done this wrong. I'm there to look for solutions. I'm there to look for um, how to go forward and build that trust and that they're willing to tell me ahead of time uh, when things are starting to turn bad. And so we can work as a team to head head off this trouble and uh, service our client better. If you have, you know, multiple employees, like you said, you had 300, a staff of 300. How do you kind of, how do you kind of do that with that philosophy then? So you can't touch everybody. You, you can be, you can be respectful to everybody and be a servant leader to everybody, but it is set up somewhat like the military where there are, you know, you have disciplines. There was a structural discipline, an architectural discipline, a electrical so you have you have leaders of those, and then you have leaders when you're broken into markets to maybe be aerospace or hospitality. You have to build those relationships, and then finally you have to build the relationships of trust with the project manager. So you break the 300 down to about 30 or 50 people, and work from there. In terms of documentation, is it important to have documentation if you're encouraging people to you know? go beyond what, what was already set up? Yes, you have to, you have, I call it daylighting. You have to go through uh, what's happened and you have to put it on in front of everybody and discuss it. Now, not again, not in a co- confrontational way, um, but you have to document what happened, what we said we were going to do. Have we done it? Uh, if we have not done it, how are we going to correct and get back on course? So yes, I think the documentation of it, we kept notes every month. Uh, we went, we reviewed the notes um, and we made certain we were on track and doing so um, greatly um, enhanced the performance on the projects. Um, the errors and omissions were very low and the projects were profitable. In terms of breaking down a culture of staying in your lane at a, at a company, is it more challenging to convince the, to up, convince upper management to change the culture or to convince you know, employees change the culture. So employees, I think, inherently know the right thing to do. Um, but at the point at which you get told, get back in your lane, I think that that can stifle it. So 
I think that um, the upper management is probably the bigger trick um, is making a uh, making a successful team that work, works together. Um, I saw, uh, I think, I don't know, it's just recently on LinkedIn, um, uh, the CEO for PepsiCo. He has done something similar. Now, I, I built this innovation, innovator of the year process. Well, he, I'm, I'm reading, he's doing the same thing in PepsiCo. So he's really institutionalizing that need to innovate. Um, and then, you know, we probably don't know a lot about PepsiCo, but we don't think it's that complicated yet. They have taken innovation as their key to their future. When you were at BRPH, was there something that you were involved in that you were kind of proud of that uh, was particularly innovative? I, 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 I would say yes. I would say that innovator of the year. Uh, so we took all the videos. We, we, we'd shoot these videos once a week and we would have them uh, presented on Monday morning um, to the staff. You would, they were three minutes, two and a half minutes long. We had a, a company that would help us produce those. And um, I would say that over time, as uh, the innovations started to really have more value to our clients, and then um, we went and uh, it culminated in the Innovator of the Year Award. Oh, wow. So, we, 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 so then we brought the senior leadership in and we, and we um, had selected the top innovations and you got to then present. So you could be a, and one, one of them was a, um, I think that person had a year and a half experience, maybe two, uh, presenting to the CEO of the company, um, their innovation. Um, and so it really gave them an opportunity to um, speak up to management and it gave um, management uh, an opportunity to listen and um, see the potential. And you really identified several new leaders in the, in the company and um, some great ideas that, gonna, that help the clients. Who are some of your mentors and what is, what have been some of their best advice? Um, I, I would say, um, two mentors that really stand out in my mind. Um, Henry Mann with uh, my previous firm, Perkins and Will, uh, was probably the best businessman I'd ever seen. He, um, he, had, um, he had direction. He knew where he wanted to be and he knew how to get people there. So he could identify a simple idea. So if you think back to the year 2000, the green movement, um, environmentally sensitive design, um, energy conscious, those things are really taking hold again. And he was um, early on, said we will not leave a building um, in our portfolio that leaves um, a disaster for humanity with uh, uh, chemicals and those type of things. And it was, that was very bold. I was very, uh, it was good to be under a leader like that, that had such a had such a direction. I would say an earlier leader was um, John Atkins at O'Brien Atkins had taught me how to work with a client and get what a client needs. Those two mentors really helped shape my career. What made you, I, we talk, I mentioned in your intro, uh, your experience as a Boy Scout kind of working with people. What is it about kind of bringing the most out of people that you find so enjoyable? You know, when um, you see a person who doesn't think something is possible, um, they start with, I, I, don't, I don't think we can do that, David. That's never, you know, I don't think that'll work. I, I don't, I'm not capable. Um, and you can get that, that person to the point where they come back later and say, 
I can't believe that that worked. And we pulled this off and I said, no, no, we, you, you led this thing. You made this happen. And you see that, you see that confidence grow in them. Um, and you see them change their leadership style and uh, really get out in front of the team instead of behind the team uh, and understand that their job is to make everyone on that team successful. And that once they've done that, the client's going to be successful. That gives me just tremendous satisfaction. Yeah, I bet. Do you have any uh, favorite books? Maybe, you know, there's a lot of books about building a culture of innovation. Do you have any books that you've found particularly valuable or enjoyable? Um, I would say, I'm trying to remember the author, that there was a book called uh, How to Fly a Horse um, mm -hmm. that I read several years back. Um, and that really sparked that idea that um, innovation is not for just the rarefied group. It's for everybody. And I really wish I had read that uh, and had been required reading in uh, in college that um, that would have changed your perception that um, that anyone can do this. When you were in college and you were preparing uh, for your career, did you have an added? I know you you uh, you already enjoyed coaching people and working with people. Did you already have an attitude of innovation? I don't know that I did. I kept looking for um, how to bring uh, value in the design, but I had not, I felt like you had to have this big idea. I, and I didn't really realize it's one little step at a time. You can take another piece, another person's idea, add to it and keep adding to it. And that innovation builds on all the steps ahead of it. And so I think that process of how to get there was, was missed in, in, uh, in the education system. I have uh, one last question for you, but first, just let me know how people can connect with you or find out more about what you're doing now. Well, if you'd like to reach out to me, um, my uh, probably email is probably the best way right now. And uh, my email is David Brownlee, that's B-R-O-W-N-L-E-E, -E, and the number one at outlook.com is probably the best way to reach out to me. Last question for you. What would you say to people who maybe have a, uh, a self-imposed ceiling or somebody who's, who's prone to staying in their lane? What would you say is something that they should remember or keep in mind or, or try? I, I, would, I would tell them um, if you're in a situation where someone's pressing down on you to, to respectfully try to go around um, and have the confidence that you can uh, that you can do it, but I would probably speak more to the leaders um, that you need to identify these people that you don't feel are getting to their potential, and you need to sit down and understand why they're not getting there. Each one's going to be a different reason. Um, it's not all they can't do it. Matter of fact, most of them can, but they just have to help them get to that situation. Okay. Well, that's great advice. Thank you so much for your time, David. It was great to talk to you. Chad, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Process Breakdown Podcast. Before you go, quick question. Do you want a tool that makes it easy to document processes, procedures, and or policies for your company so that your employees have all the information they need to be successful at their job? If yes, sign up for a free 14-day trial of Sweet Process. No credit card is required to sign up. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, and process like process.com.
Go now to sweetprocess.com and sign up for your risk-free 14-day trial. Hi, this is Owen, the CEO and co-founder here at Sweet Process. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast interview, uh, actually, you know what I want you to do? Go ahead and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That way we get more people aware of the good stuff that you get here on this podcast. Again, go on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Looking forward to reading your review. Have a good day. That's right.